Hi, my name is Alex Baldino from WTSR. I'm here with Blue Ox. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, Alex. Thanks for having us, uh, or at least having me on for now. Um, we appreciate it. So cool to uh, that you guys are spreading the word on uh, on the band. Yeah, I mean, so cool to to have you on because I've been listening to some of you uh, to your music and I I really enjoy it. It's uh. So your influence is 70s psychedelic rock. I've seen the word stoner rock thrown around too. Yeah. Yeah. You look stoned right now. So I think <laughs> I get that's that why you enjoy lot. it. <laughs> I get that. So I've actually never smoked weed before, but mm -hmm. I get that so much. So I'm really glad that came across. Okay. Okay. Well, you're mainlining mescaline or something <laughs> right now. Who knows what's going on over God, there, Alex? I wish. I see there's a couple of guitar cases in the back. So. Yeah, I just picked that up because of quarantine. How have you been handling quarantine? I'm actually built for quarantine. My life is usually spent in dark recording studios by myself anyway. So this is really, uh, um, I mean, present present political circumstances aside and just, you know, how traumatic it is on everybody that I know. Uh, I don't mind getting to spend some quality time with my family and it's forced my hand to build a home studio rather than, you know, commute to New York City every day, which, you know, that's just, uh, you know, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I've, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just like anybody, you're, you're, you have to adapt and survive and, and hopefully this, you know, will lead to a better, a better country, a better state of mind for everybody eventually, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of built for it. I've been preparing for a quarantine for quite some time. I'm a doomsday prepper, Alex. <laughs> you want to see my cans of beans? Yeah, you got a whole wall of beans. and I got a wall of beans behind me. Take a look. <laughs> Take a look. Good. So uh, the first song that we'll be playing, uh, Panic Attack. Yeah. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? How was it like writing that? Where did that come from? Um. Panic Attack was actually a really fun song. I can just tell you like production wise. See, Kieran and I, we're, that's the heart of Blue Ox. Um, we just set out to write music we wanted to hear. You know, music that was just kind of built on the shoulders of our influences. But, you know, let's just, you know, let's lean into to something that's missing in the things that we'd like to listen to. So with Panic Attack, we, um, I think the most interesting thing about the song was the recording techniques, the way we recorded the drums. Uh, I'm sorry, the way we recorded the guitars, everything was recorded direct. We, uh, it was uh, SG plugged in through uh, to a um, uh, Death by Audio Apocalypse overdrive pedal. Uh, it's actually like a fuzz pedal straight into a Chandler DI um, and uh, Chandler preamp rather and we just cranked it can I curse here yeah you can curse. we cranked the fuck out of it until it was just like just totally just saturated and beautiful and then the riffs just started coming it just kind of came easy um it, it's it's funny it's got like a an interesting balance between I'd say Black Sabbath at times and when the verse really kicks in it's got this like um, Lady Stardust, you know, David Bowie vibe in, in the, um, you know, augmented chords that kind of like pull you in. It's nice to, to at least 
you know, push the boundaries. I mean, I, I guess across the board with all the songs, like you, with with just as a methodology in general, uh, we try to push the boundaries. You know, stay in in our comfort zone, but push it. You yeah. know, as far as we can. Um, yeah, I mean, the story. It's you know, it's not really you know a heavy story. It's a a, a, a basically a love song if you really wanted to get to the bottom of it as close to a love song as we can get um but i there's a subtext about maybe you know just come with just come chill with me and let's let's um you know let's leave the world behind type of vibe um and just forget the world for a moment but for me the most exciting part was how we recorded the guitars mm -hmm. okay now the second song is walk tall Tell me a yeah. little bit about that. Because that walk tall is very different from Panic Attack. Yes. Time. Yeah, we have some, there's some heavy Afrobeat uh, influences from Fela Kuti to, you know, Antibalas and, and just, there are some interesting rhythms that, that we'd like to incorporate. Kieran spent a lot of time, years, in fact, in the Bahamas. So he's got that just in his DNA. Um, and, you know, we both played in jam bands. So this is a, something that's kind of taken a life of its own. Like after we recorded it and started playing it live, now it's like a real jam. But we didn't set out to make a call to action type of song, which it seemed to become. It was featured on this uh, bank robber rough trade um, playlist that, you know, Variety Magazine kind of uh, did some press on it and stuff, which was all about, um, you know, you know, with, with the with the right, agenda of you know raising awareness and funds for black lives matter and and uh but we didn't set out to write a, a song about a call to action we were just like let, let's just make something fun danceable and and it just kind of fit you know i guess that's that's kind of the way i guess any protest or call to action song any effective one would would really come together anyways you don't really set out to write it it just kind of happens but uh, the way we composed it, Kieran had like the the riff, um, and he recorded it at his home studio, brought it to my studio, and then we just, you know, flipped the drums, laid down the instrumentation, like just the fundamental instrumentation, came up with the melodies, and just like everything that we've ever done, it's usually written in microbursts. So like a couple hours later, the the framework, the lyrics, everything's pretty much done. So, uh, but yeah, it's a jam. It's a total jam. And if you heard it live, it's just so much fun. It's got, you know, room to solo and room to breathe. And it really, it's taken on a life of its own. I love that song. I love that shirt, by the way, also, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I tend to wear Hawaiian shirts. And yeah. I, I felt this one with Bulbasaur on it was, it was more <laughs> applicable to the situation. So, uh, Black Star Road. That song is yeah. also unlike the other two. It's what, about six minutes long, mm -hmm. very 70s and psychedelia in the feel. Um, I've seen you guys talk about Black Star Road, the actual like canyon where the Shoshone uh, Native Americans were killed by American mercenaries. Did that, was that yes. in your mind when that you wrote that song or did the song just happen and then it sort of felt like that was the place to take it i'll be honest with you the 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 lyrics came last the melody 
I wanted to write something that was kind of hypnotic, something in six eight that just, you know, like a rolling bass, just rolling toms, something that just, yeah, something hypnotic in in in, in essence. But it had to evolve and it had to tell a story and. I'm almost just reluctant to tell you what the original lyrics were because it's just not safe for work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but you just sometimes it's like chicken and the egg scenario. You never know which comes first, the music, the lyrics, the story. Setting out to write a song about something never really is impactful. You almost have to let the sometimes just the art tell you what it wants to be, mm-hmm. you know, as you're you know, chipping away at the marble. Um, and yeah, so we really started with um, a jam. I had this, I had some some uh, bass parts. I, I, bu- I built a drum loop. Uh, I grabbed my P bass. Kieran was at my studio. He grabbed a telly and we just jammed. And from that jam, the other parts of the song started to take shape. And then I just cut it together and we sat with it. We sat with it and the melody started coming. And then the lyrics that I had, like I said, they were just, they weren't appropriate, but they were just a placeholder. Mm-hmm. Um, then Kieran and I just started to find, we, 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 we were just search, scouring the internet for something that was purposeful and made sense that kind of fit that rhyme scheme. And then it clicked. Like we, we found um, Black Star, uh, canyon road and the story the lyrics it all just came together in just a few minutes like everything just fell into place like it was meant to be mm-hmm. but it it you know i think there wasn't much resistance it was just things kind of fell into place naturally yeah but i really i i adore that song i thought i think it was a a, a big like stepping stone for us to do something that was i mean it's not like a traditional pop structure, you know, there's room, like you said, there's room, room to breathe, room for, you know, the jam to come through, room for, um, you know, just guitar solos and... And space um, and to, to sort of take it wherever it's supposed to be at that time you're playing. Yeah. And, you know, like I was saying, like I, I had this drum loop. I loved it. I loved it. We built everything off that that groove. And then um, we had a, a friend of mine, Rich, uh, out in L.A. He is uh, one of the best. Rich DeChico is one of my favorite drummers. He tracked uh, live drums over it. And then I was able to just integrate those live drums and just kind of fold them into this track. Um pretty much seamlessly so it was just like a blend of of just great players and but for the most part just kieran and i and and rich on drums and um yeah i think it's cool i think it's cool that it came together and it tells such a um an important story that should be told because uh native americans in this country really they just they and still they're 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 um uh, you know it's just really unfair what's happened to them yeah yeah so, now with the music out of the way, we'll get on to these fun mandatory questions that I have to ask. What does college radio mean to you? Everything. Uh, I think college radio are the tastemakers, just for, and it always has been. I mean, the, you know, uh, it's like, like you don't have to be in college to listen to college radio. I love, like, uh, 
Sirius has a station XMU that 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 just plays music that you wouldn't hear on on you know pop stations. I love being able to hear you know Tame Impala or Ty Siegel or or Jonathan Wilson or you know uh, My Morning Jacket or any of the the, the uh, you know just just something that's just uh, art, something artful mm-hmm. and something that either has a message or a good groove or something that maybe you wouldn't find otherwise. And uh, I, I always thought that college radio were great tastemakers. So it's, it's good to stay on top of, of, of what they're doing, just so you know that, um, you know, maybe your, your palate, uh, your, your taste might change you get turned on to new things and yeah, and yeah. and your sensibilities for writing like the the sonics that you might choose that could change too hello kieran welcome hey what's going on guys there he is look at you as beautiful as ever looking good <laughs> what i miss what i miss we just talked about the three songs you guys sent in and uh, now that you're here, I'll ask you this question. What does college radio mean to you? Uh, means good music. <laughs> good music that I could listen to on the radio. Maybe a station that I would tune into. Perfect. Good music is hard to find. So, uh, you know, it's nice to uh, get um, get tuned into some stuff and get turned on to some stuff that I may not have heard before. Now, uh, Donnie, you and I were talking about this earlier, so I'd like to hear, uh, Kieran, I'd like to hear where you are on this. The pandemic and coronavirus and being forced inside, how has that affected you? How has that affected the music process? Uh Uh-oh, he froze. Yep, looks like he froze. Well, I'll tell you this, it's really affected live music mm-hmm. i mean and that is just uh, something that we live and breathe is he here yeah he's there i think he's frozen yeah he's got he's got that boost mobile dial up <laughs> it's really yeah. not working for him right now okay if you shut off your uh your video would that help it might we lost him we lost him yeah, but live music's been like severely affected and it sucks because there's no end in sight. Like New York just like put into effect like some regulations where you can't, you know, charge a cover to see a band at a, you know, at a bar or, you know, certain venues. And, you know, that's just really stifling, especially for a band that, that needs to play live. Yeah, because um, uh, when I'm familiar with jam bands, it's like, the part, the whole experience is going to see them jam out. Mm-hmm. Whereas with some other bands, you know, you can buy their album and listen to it on your own. And if you see them live, it might be, it's cool to see them live, but you can still get the same song and the same experience listening to them wherever you may be. But you guys as a sort of jam band sort of need that live space to flourish. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say for uh, that we're, you know, a jam band per se. We're not like You're not um, like the Grateful Dead or No, we're not yeah. like the Dead or, or anything like that. But I mean being able to, you know, paint outside the lines is is something that 
that you know it's fun to get to that point it's nice to be capable to do it and it's it makes every show different mm -hmm. to be able to push the boundaries and i love that i love being able to just you know, like for example walk tall to be able to take that middle section of the song and make it another few minutes where we're exploring dynamics and you know trading solos and and just respecting the other musicians on stage and in a way that's just almost like um intuitive conversation you know and and i think that the listener you know they understand that they un it's the imperfections it's the it's the like you know walking on the edge of a blade type of thing that's that that just not playing it safe that people respond to mm -hmm. so i love that we're able to do that and we're able to you know stretch and go into that space where you know it could go into a jam but yeah case hey guys sorry you're good hey can you hear me yep awesome so yeah sorry i'm sorry I, uh, I had to find the router and i'm out here in the sticks out in west new jersey so uh what i miss oh live music yeah pandemic pandemic how's it affected you yeah it's been pretty tough, uh, you know, just to change the gears and look for the silver lining. Maybe we could spend a little more time on writing and producing, but uh, I feel kind of like a caged lion. Uh, I'm used to gigging all the time and making my living like that. So it's it's been tough, but, uh, you know, I know there's a lot, of, a lot more people that are struggling and, you know, let alone with the pandemic itself or being isolated and, you know, just... Uh, there's a lot of struggle all across the board right now. So mm -hmm. I'm just, I hope there's an end in sight to this thing so we can get back to what we do, you know? Yeah. See, there's a yin and yang between Kieran and I, like he's just gigging a few times a week, you know, three, four times a week. And I'm just like in a studio all day, you know? So I'm just kind of used to being isolated. So there's a nice balance between he and I when, when we get together. So speaking of you two guys meeting, I've read that you guys met at a coffee shop. That's wrong. We met on Christian Mingle. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> did you guys know each other at uh, all? Before? Was it? <laughs> um, no. Uh, I think first time we met, we both were wearing masks, like. Uh, masquerade masks so we didn't really know it was each other <laughs> so years later <laughs> remember that private party donnie like, i do uh, eyes wide shut that night uh yeah 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 tom cruise was there um <laughs> i <laughs> april fool's day i also have a um a construction business in which you know um i have a work truck it got stolen april 1st I thought it was an April Fool's joke. It wasn't. It was gone. I went over to uh, the coffee shop in Jersey City, and Donnie was standing online in front of me. And I had known him through, um, you know, past uh, mutual friends uh, of mine and his. And I knew that he was a producer. I knew he was awesome. And uh, I don't know how we started. Who who kicked it up? Well, we started talking, and and. He was like, you want to come by? What are you doing today? I'm like, obviously nothing. My truck got stolen and I'm, I'd love to be in a studio than pacing around and uh, being angry all day. So 
we went into the studio and we banged out a track like yeah. immediately it was awesome yeah Does like that, it was funny never mind go on sorry no no i just it was funny like i had heard of kieran we have mutual friends that are in the music um you know that are musicians and whatnot so we knew that we were both in jersey city and uh yeah uh, we were just online next to each other and we just started talking about you know new music and our influences and it was just kindred spirits right up the jump so yeah two hours later we had our first song i think you were listening you you had your you had your earbuds in and you were you were listening to uh Ray LaMontagne's record he did with um, Jim James. Yeah, so I was listening uh, to Ouroboros. And, he, and Donnie was like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just lost in this Pink Floyd Ray LaMontagne record, if you heard it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I was like, I could I could give you that. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yo, let's go make a record. I would love to make a record like that. Mm -hmm. And we did. And then, and then, it, and then it escalated into uh, a monster, like from, sorry, sorry, guys. From that sound to um, to uh, to Afrobeat to to Sabbath to like to to yeah, all of a sudden there were no limits to what we were gonna do, and and how we started feeling in the studio, and then how we started feeling when you know cultivated a band to do this stuff live, and we're just getting warmed up and uh, things got shut down, but that's mm -hmm. okay. I just had a baby; it could. Yeah. <laughs> good good time to have a baby. Not like we have a gig coming up or anything, you know? So yeah. now you said that you two met at that coffee shop and you just banged out a song and it came together like that. Is that how most of the songs happen? Is it just sort of like a one day you go in just two hours, three hours later you got a beat bit of a song and then two hours after that you got another bit? Uh, I think that he, Kieran and I, we both have ideas. We're both writers, you know, and we'll, I like to bring half-baked ideas to Kieran so we can finish them, you know. I'll stop myself from going too far and I'll say, okay, I need you now. I need you to, where does this go? You know, help me with this. And, and like, for example, Walk Tall, he had these grooves, this these riffs, and he, you know, he brought it to my studio. He's like, where can we take this? Where can we push it? And we're like, yeah, maybe a group vocal, you know, maybe that that's where this needs to be, you know, I mean, and, you know, we, we wrestled with, you know, a melody for a minute, you know, but everything just kind of comes together fast. It's, uh, I don't think there's an exact, you know, it's just, it's nice to, to trust, you know, Kieran, because like we have similar influences and, um, and similar tastes. So I, I know that it's going to get to the right place. Yeah, likewise, man. I'll speak on that for a second. The uh, it's almost like we can finish <clears throat> each other's sentences when when we know it's good, and and there's no. <clears throat> I think we've been around the block with bands, <clears throat> excuse me, and writing to really like kind of check our ego and follow the story. And when when I know I'm following the story and I'm throwing stuff against the board. Donnie, Donnie sits, he, it's usually like I'll be on the couch and he'll be like sitting in, in his control desk like this. And I'll be just <laughs> firing stuff at the wall, firing stuff at the wall. 
and either I'm playing or writing or this or that. And, I'll, and then I'll get this. I'll get this. Like, keep pushing. I, I kind of know. I know the look he gives me. I'm like, all right, this is good. This makes sense. So. Yeah, it's a safe space when you're in the studio and you're writing. <clears throat> yeah, it has. It's a safe space. It's a sacred space. You know, like you. You have to. You can't be afraid to just. To just. You know. You can't be afraid to fail, like if, if for lack of a better term, like yeah. you have to just, you know, always just push yourself. Can't be afraid to be wrong. Yeah, can't be afraid to be wrong because you're, it's, yeah, exactly. You can't be safe like that. Trust Donnie to tell me when I'm wrong, and I think yeah, yeah. yeah. Likewise, I can tell him that he's wrong. You're wrong, bro. Which is never. Are you holding a cane right now? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I only bring it up. Yeah, this, this newborn... <laughs> this, this newborn baby gig is rough, bro. That's so funny. Oh, man. Construction so going on. I can't, I can't avoid it, man. Sounds like Jersey City right now. Dude, I'm building a studio desk today. Are you kidding me? Like, that's, that's my... The part of my day today is uh, my desk broke as I was trying to move it yesterday. Um, sorry to bore you with that, Alex. It's not a bore. Trust me. This is, <laughs> this is the most interesting stuff that's happened Nick, to me in the past Nick week. Nick Ciadella? No, <laughs> no. Solo. Solo mission. Uh, our drummer, Nick, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a builder as well. A lot of builders. Now, uh, you guys have referenced that you've been in bands before. Um, How long have you been doing music? Since, since from the womb, man. Came out the womb making music. Right? Since that, yeah, man. Since, since that eighth grade uh, graduation dance. Big shout out to my first band. Did you the play? The Bloody Aardvarks from eighth grade in Hills, Hillsdale, New Jersey. I... Yeah, I played my eighth grade graduation dance and we played um so I have an older brother, Tim. Big shout out, Tim. He's six years older than me and he played guitar. So of course I played guitar and I'm mostly a bass player, like because he would always um need a bass player for his bands and they practiced in our basement growing up. So I like would sub in and play bass. Long story short, I put together a little band, a little trio, and uh we played we played my eighth we like played like five songs and we played like Metallica, we played Nirvana, we played Pearl Jam, we played Johnny B. Good. It was it was ruckus too, man. The kids loved it. Like my class loved it. I was always an outsider. And after that gig, like it was uh, I never looked back. I was like, I love this. This is the best. So um Jarek Brooks, Scotty Cardinal, my original band and the Bloody Aardvarks. That's a good time. name. It's all been downhill since then. <laughs> <laughs> Peaked in eighth grade. That is a good name. So you guys Peaked in eighth grade. <laughs> you guys decided on Blue Ox because Kieran, you said that was was that the make or did you just call your truck Blue Ox? It's it's a big uh F two fifty, like two thousand five with a hat with a hat <laughs> on it. I'm looking at it right now. And it's just like it just looks it just looks like this gigantic monster, you know, mm -hmm. work truck. So 
that just kind of dubbed the nickname of the Blue Ox. And then my construction team and crew was the Blue Ox Squad. And Donnie really liked it. He was like, I think that's the name of the band. I didn't really like like it. I was like, I don't know if that's the name of the you band. You were pushing for Bloody Aardvarks. <laughs> I, was pushing, I was pushing for Bloody Aardvarks too. <laughs> yeah, the Bloody Chinchillas or something. Yeah. But um, once I think once we put the word together, I, I liked it more because mm-hmm. we had to worry about, uh, you know, other Blue Ox companies and trademarks and some festival out in Minnesota or something like that. But we, when we put it together, Donnie's like, I don't know if we should put it together. It kind of looks like some French word, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that's even better. And I'm like, I love it. Like, you know. Um, yeah, we're a big fan of the French. <laughs> so, yeah, all you kids out there, it's blue, it's blue Ox, one word. I always have to say that now. Yeah. One word. So you guys were poised to like release an EP this summer. How's that going? Did the coronavirus delay that? Yes, it pushed everything back. We're releasing. Yeah, we pushed everything back. Yeah. yeah, we have a single coming out called Ten Feet Tall, with another uh, like, you know, collaboration with uh, Rough Trade and Bank Robber. It's going to be for like you know, get out and vote type of thing. Call to action for that. Um, and uh, we have a video that's going to accompany it. But I think our big, we are releasing an EP and it's going to start with this stop animation video for Fearless, a cover of Pink Floyd's Fearless, which um, if you don't know it, it's a dope song off metal. And it's, um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. It's, it was our first mix in the quarantine, so. Let me see. Okay, so you guys have talked about influences like Pink Floyd, uh, and Kieran, you've said that you've played like Black Sabbath songs when you were a kid. And so there's a lot of rock and this sort of like psychedelic music that you guys have grown up with. Do you take inspiration from any any real just like sidewinders? Are you like, oh man, I heard that one Taylor Swift song and I thought it was great <laughs> and I just took it and ran? Or do you try to sort of stick to where, what you know? That's a bad way to put it, but um, yeah, definitely. I think we're grabbing everything from whatever. Whatever. There's no rules to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. one thing that I think we both we both have learned, and uh, even more so in in the COVID and the in the atmosphere of the world right now. It's like there really are no more rules. Um. In music, are there really any rules? Like, if it sounds good, let's just roll. Like, you know. And uh, Donnie, I, I'm sure you have some some other uh, info. He really is a music producer all across, and is the demand on him is um, multi multi genre. Like, so he'll pull up like a Ariana Grande tune, and just we'll just listen to the vocals and the drums for like you know, an hour together and like, you know. Uh, uh, I think it was Selena Gomez, <laughs> but yes. Maybe, I, not, maybe not an hour, maybe not an hour. <laughs> an hour. Just That's going, me alone. I don't think that uh, wherever a good idea comes from, a good song, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Like I, I'm, there was, a, there was a time in my life where if you didn't listen to Led Zeppelin, we couldn't be friends. Like that was, there was, there were those years. But I mean, 
it's much more freeing to not be painting in a corner and to just, you know, just accept everything as, as art, if you can. Because even if the song sucks, the producer might be sprinkling some magic in there that's just like the beat is just undeniably hot. And you're like, fuck, I need to get drums like that. My, I need to get my drums like that. Or I need to, I like the way that they're um, producing that vocal. Look how bold they are by keeping it dry and compressed. Or they're so, I mean, even if it's not the composition, maybe the production is inspiring. And I think you can get that from anywhere. But then you have artists like Ty Siegel, or who is just super lo-fi. And the shit, it's like, it, the, or, or Tame Impala for that, for that matter, like the early stuff where it's just, it's not, you know, it, it's really going back to basics and it, the content is king and not how they're, it's what's going to tape that matters most. So they have parameters, of course, like maybe it's a four track or maybe they're, you know, using a particular mixer or they don't have the best microphones. But in the end, I mean, the, the, those early albums, like Ty Siegel with the fuzz, um, I, I mean, it just translates, jumps off the speakers because the, the, the intention behind those songs is so powerful. So, I think there's an argument to be made from both sides of the spectrum, whether something slick or whether something is just raw. Um, you know, if the emotion translates, that's what matters most. And I think as artists, that's your duty is you're supposed to, tr you're supposed to telegraph an emotion. And if you can elicit a response, whether it's, I love it or I hate it, that's good. But if you're just benign and you're just leaving people with some kind of ambivalence, then you're doing, you're not doing your job. Don't be safe take a chance. That's what you're supposed to do. Art really reflects the society we live in, you know? So be fearless in your approach to writing, you know, don't be safe. Nobody wants safe. Safe's boring. Okay. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> That's a mic drop sentence. It's really good. Um, I'm out of questions. Uh, I'm going to steal you guys for another second to record some one-liners and a bumper. But uh, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.